Hello, I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. We tend to think of the summer of 1776 as a brilliant moment in American history. The Second Continental Congress had written the Declaration of Independence, and as couriers carried it through the 13 colonies, cheering patriots picked up their muskets and got ready to throw off the yoke of George III. But things weren't that simple in Maryland, which didn't instruct its delegates in Philadelphia to vote for independence until June 28th, making it the last colony to do so. To the fiery sons of liberty in Baltimore, who were hell-bent on independence, it was high time. Earlier that spring, they had sent Captain Sam Smith to Annapolis to seize the young, handsome, and popular royal governor, Robert Eden, only to be rebuffed by more conservative patriot leaders there. They'd gone after Eden because some letters he had written to the governor of Virginia and to British officials had fallen into patriot hands. If war broke out, it wouldn't take much to keep Maryland in line, Eden said. A single British regiment ought to do it. At the end of June, the governor boarded a ship for England and home, but for a time it looked like Eden was right. No sooner was independence declared than fighting broke out between patriots and loyalists in Baltimore, and the eastern shore became a hotbed of support for the crown. In this confused and violent atmosphere, and frightened by the threat of revolution, Maryland's political leadership decided they had to form a new government. They said August 1st as the day to elect delegates to a convention that would create a new state constitution. Of course, the next question was, who was going to vote? And the answer was, not everyone. A faction led by John Hall and Reason Hammond called for an end to property restrictions on voting, to let the common man participate in the government. But in the end, voting for convention delegates was limited to the well-off. That summer, the Continental Congress also authorized the recruitment of a body of soldiers from Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland, 10,000 in all, to reinforce George Washington and his Continentals. The outfit was called the Flying Camp, and the men in it were to serve until December 1, 1776. Maryland's quota was 3,405, and they quickly rushed to the colors. As it happened, several companies of this flying camp reached Annapolis late in July and camped on a hill outside of town. August 1st came, and the soldiers who had taken up arms to support a revolution that promised to create a democracy asked where they might vote. The answer was they weren't allowed to vote at all. They didn't meet the property qualifications. The men looked at one another in disbelief, then grew dangerously angry. Officers quickly moved in among them, persuading and demanding order. The soldiers eventually put down their weapons, but they never forgot the slight. Eventually, the troops marched out to join Washington's men in New York. But at the end of August, the British surrounded and nearly destroyed the American army on Long Island. It was saved only when another regiment of Marylanders, wealthy young men, landowners, and merchant sons who had paid for their own weapons and uniforms, sacrificed themselves to save the army. Soon, Washington was retreating through New Jersey barely staying ahead of the British and desperately trying to keep his army from melting away. December 1st came and the flying camp's enlistment expired. Would they remain with the army? The Marylanders among them said no and returned home, leaving Washington with barely 3,000 men to carry on the war. A few of them thought about staying and fighting, like the Maryland regiment that had earned its glory on Long Island, but none of them did. They all returned home many to join the large number of Marylanders who sat out the war on the sidelines. One wonders what they might have done if, back in August, they had been allowed to vote for the government they had volunteered to die for.